balls of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Saylet. And this is Kalina. And we are a podcast who reads and reviews paranormal romance novels. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's cool that you guys come back and you listen it's to really us and cool. we still have things to say about books that we read. I mean, and... we'll never not have books to read. It's whether we have things to say about them. But I that guess true. the way my personality is, is I have a lot of shit to say about a lot of things <laughs> all the time. <laughs> That's because you are you just read so much and you have lots of things to say. About and books and about but... People and about yeah. things, <laughs> and that is why we do this thing. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, yeah. All right. Well, I have a quickie for you for today. Okay. What's your favorite Lou Diamond Phillips movie oh. or role? If you don't have a movie, oh, yes, that's true. Because he's done a lot of TV. He has done, but I do. <laughs> I do have to say that I think my <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorites, I guess, of his is when he played in, oh, I don't even remember what his name is, but um, in the big hit with Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> when he was like the bad oh. guy. Oh, I forgot what his oh, name was. Fuck. I forgot about the big hit. I used to watch that on like, I think it's like HBO ran it just like incessantly when we were young. Yeah, just like, yeah. And we it watched just, it all the time. All the time. And it was like. What terrible but so it was good. a bad movie but yes. it was like i love why did we watch it all the time because it was, it was on but also we liked it and it was just yeah no he was oh i just loved his every oh god that was in 90s his name i think was cisco and it was 98 cisco. yes to go yes. find it yeah cisco thank you yes no i just loved i just loved it he played such a good bad guy in that in the end where they um the video store like blows up and then <laughs> I think it's Mark Wahlberg who gets stuck underneath that the po not the poster but the statue of the girl's dad that you know yes, the, uh, yes, yes. of who he kidnapped and stuff like that yes. uh, but I just loved his acting in that because he was just I felt like it was out of his character because he's usually like a really decent nice guy at least from what I've seen the movies that I've seen of him so I just loved it because he was just funny in them and it was just such a ridiculous movie because even Mark was really good in it. More bad characters than Do you, you remember? I think maybe you probably because I know him no. more as like a yeah. I think he's, I also he's don't see him much on TV. Okay, yeah, and see that's what I know him most from, and that's why okay. my, my favorite thing is going to be like three different TV roles. <laughs> Oh, okay, you have what? What are they? So, it was just one episode, but he was on Psych. Which, first off, I just love Psych. Psych is a fantastic TV show where the main character is pretending to be a psychic for the police, but really he's just like super hyper observant, and okay. so he just fakes that he solves all these crimes. It's essentially The Mentalist, but it's funny and actually good. As The Mentalist is not. Um, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> but he plays basically a similar like he's um an fbi agent that's also i think doing the same thing okay and so it's okay. kind of funny to off play and he's only in it once oh no no he's not doing the same thing he has a fake psychic too anyway <laughs> um but then he was he was in numbers for a long time and i always liked him in that and mm. also stargate universe i haven't seen any of those see i love i just it just okay. shows that i watched in the like two th- early 2000s and i really enjoyed him on both of those shows because he was reoccurring on um but he's a really good actor and i like him a lot yeah i like i like him too i just i love the overacting in the big hit because it's just it's so ridiculous but well it's such a camp movie like everything about it is ridiculous (laughs) like that's why it's so great (laughs) just so bad yeah yeah and of course we have la bamba which was the best i mean i couldn't be more in love with the character than richie that he played in it he played it so well stand and deliver and uh you know hey edward james almost came to high school when we went there so that was our connection to lou that's our what third degree of separation yeah like six or a million degrees because (laughs) he has (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's awesome you know la bamba was from 1987 that's when the movie was made Mm -hmm. we were three and four four and five how old were we? I don't know, man. Well, it depends on when it came out in 87, but yeah, basically four or five. True. Holy crap. 
Wow. If it was old, I just didn't realize. I, I didn't realize it was that old either, actually. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Wow. I think about the actors that are in that movie, like Isai Morales, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who played Donna, but I just don't feel like they're old. And we're forty. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, holy shit! That's so crazy. Wow. I mean, I know. I it's weird. It's so weird. Something about Hollywood, they don't age as much. <laughs> they all have money and like a uh, yeah. People who you help know. them not age the way they right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're almost in their characters like these these the actors that are in so many different roles and and scenes and movies and things are immortalized in our brains. So we will always see them as the characters that they portray on TV or, or movies or whatever. So, so yeah, we see them as, as young people. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. But all right. So guys, that was all to say that we are reading a book by Lou Diamond Phillips called The Tinderbox Soldier of Indira. It's narrated by R.C. Bray and Julia Wayland. And we'll uh, go ahead and get you guys some clits notes, I think. Or I guess just notes on this one. There's no clits in this one. No clits. <laughs> no clits. <laughs> uh, so it's apparently, you might know this, I wasn't as aware until later uh, afterwards when he was explaining to us the origin of the book. But there is a Hans Christian Andersen story called The Tinderbox. And this story kind of came out of that. So it's a retelling, but then he takes it into, you know, sci-fi. It's on a foreign or like a, an alien world that has split in half many, many millennia ago. Um, and so there's Indira and there's Mono and they're two separate worlds now that like, what's the word? Orbit each other. And they have different people <laughs> who live on them. The Indira's on Indira and the Monoliths on Mono. Uh, but they've been at war for centuries. The Indiras keep attacking Mono, even though Indira seems to have all of the like yeah. plants and water and they seem to be doing much better. <laughs> minerals and all the good things. And Mono doesn't seem to have a lot. It's kind of like a desert world. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, yeah, Indira keeps attacking them. But there's this prophecy. They're both ruled by uh, mono uh, kings, you know, they're, they're uh, monarchs. Monarchs, thank you. <laughs> I was like, what's the word I'm thinking of? <laughs> so on mono, there's a prophecy that when Xander's daughter marries a common soldier at this particular junction of the stars, there's a, a rising of a, um, why can't I think of any words to <laughs> What if we want the things where the stars, the, the little, then we draw the pictures around them? Galaxy? No, 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 no. We you know. draw the pictures You know, like them? the Big Dipper. It's a constellation. Okay. Oh, constellation. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're talking about. Okay. Dude, so, I'm not any better. I can't help with anything. <laughs> like, all my brain is dead. Okay. So, when this constellation happens, his daughter, Xander's daughter, will, will marry a, sing, uh, a common soldier, and that will bring about the end of Xander. Uh, something Xander the something's reign the firm the firm Xander the firm's reign okay well he's been obsessed with it ever since he had a daughter and so he's like convinced that he can stop this prophecy from coming true by like preventing her from marrying a soldier so they pretty much lock her up she spends her whole life locked in the palace she's not allowed to leave her basically like little suite of rooms they give her a, a friend, <laughs> kind of. Geneva, a, like, a handmaiden. like a handmaiden friend who can talk to her. But other than that, she's not allowed anywhere. Now now that the time is approaching, he's getting even more paranoid. He sent all of the soldiers out of the capital. So there's no soldiers in the capital, even though that's technically not very a secure way of living your life. Uh, let's not do <laughs> when that. When you're in a constant state of war. Because they're right. in a constant state of war. So he sent them all away. There's another piece of the po- of the prophecy where, like, the soldier is the only one that will receive the tinderbox from the tree, guarded by the three dogs. And so they're constantly trying to get soldiers to do that, because mm-hmm. then they will know who's the soldier that is supposed to marry her, and then I guess the either kill him one. or I don't know what their plan is, but just not let them get married. So they're, they're losing soldiers left and right, because he keeps throwing soldiers at this quote-unquote tree. Which in this world is, it's not a tree. <laughs> it's a metaphor, like for <laughs> this technology, like I want to say monolith, but that's not really it, but like tower that he has to go through and navigate mm-hmm. through the different levels. 
And there are three levels that he passes and acquires a different thing at each one and before he gets the tinderbox. But all of the soldiers that they keep trying to run through this trial die because they're obviously not the right ones. Over on Indira, the king and queen are kind of in a dispute about their son because, you know, he's just a lazy prince who doesn't do anything and loafs about all day and they want him to be better, I guess. And he's kind of upset because he's like, why are we still at war? Like, we have everything. Why do we still send our soldiers over there to kill people? We don't need, they're not coming here because it's always Indira going to Mono. Yeah. And he's like, well, they, we have to defend ourselves, but they're not defending themselves against, against what? anything. Like, they're the ones yeah. aggressing. It's right. super weird. And so he's kind of questioning <laughs> their whole purpose. He's like, I don't want to be a king who just sends people to war. Anyway, right. so they, the king's great idea is to send his son to be a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he naturally goes through soldier training and ends up in an assault on Indira. And this is all like right before this big celestial apocalyptic, you know, like yes. fore- foretold the event is of supposed this. to happen. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And the Indirans get beat by the monolithic soldiers and he gets left on the planet for dead. Well, they assume he's dead. And his name is Everton? Everson. Everton. Everson. Everson. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Anyway, so he makes his way. He he's, he kind of survives. He he's stuck on you know behind enemy lines, he, quote unquote. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everyone knows. Here's the thing: Indians are dark skinned. You know, multicolored dark skinned. So like you know, various shades of brown and blacks. But mm-hmm. the uh, monoliths are all pale. And so it's very evident that he is an Indian soldier and not of mono. It's very, you can see that. So he gets caught and there's this witch and she's like, hey, I'm not going to kill you. Why don't you go do this trial thing? There's and a tree. There's this tree and, and... there's these dogs and you got to do this trial <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Because mm-hmm. she, she and the counselor for the, for the mono king, the king of mono has, mm-hmm. it's really funny calling it that because I now I just think of mono. The, the mono king. <laughs> Well, they do. <laughs> I just keep thinking of mono. <laughs> they say mono. I mean, he says mono. I know. Like, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, they figure, okay, they're like, the king sucks because he has spent so much time obsessed with this prophecy that he has really stopped leading as a king. Like, the mm-hmm. nation is falling into ruin. He doesn't maintain any kind of social, st- like, benefit or good. There's no, the roads aren't being maintained. The infrastructure's gone to shit. He keeps taxing everyone at a higher and higher rate to have more and more soldiers, but keeps them away from the palace because he doesn't want soldiers near his daughter. But he's try- but he's not really trying to improve their chances of winning because they don't have the technology that the Indians have. They aren't investing in any kind of infrastructure or technology. So they're like mm-hmm. subsistence farming, basically, barely surviving on this really difficult desert world. Yeah. And so the people around the king, around Xander, are just like, this Dude. sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you he, are going crazy. He's just convinced that he can somehow change this prophecy and keep his rule. But what's the point? He's not doing anything with it, but whatever. So these two advisors, the witch and and the um, uh, counselor Olaf, counselor Olaf, decide that if they can find out who's going to get the tinderbox, they can marry her. They can get her married secretly, and thus bring about the end of his rule. And then they have some kind of plan to take control. They want to be king and queen. That was where I was confused about. I was like, okay, but the queen is still there. I have a feeling they were going <laughs> to kill everyone. Oh, become, no, they, were gonna, they were just going to get the kids married so that then it would. So they were going to send Allegra off. And oh, okay, I see. Rule. Kill, yeah. kill Nor, and then okay. probably kill Allegra and the soldier. Okay, yeah. okay. Anyway, All right. so they, so she gets this endearing soldier, Everson, to go through the trial, and naturally he succeeds where all the previous mono soldiers had failed. And he gets the tinderbox, and then she tries to take it from him, and they all die. Well, he doesn't yeah. die, but everyone around him dies. <laughs> so he proceeds. Um, so now he has the tinderbox. He knows what the prophecy is, and he has seen a vision of himself and Allegra at the end of this story. Mm-hmm. Like, either being defeated by her father or defeating her father. It's a little murky still in the vision that he saw. But basically, yeah. he can see them at the end together in the throne room. And her father there trying to stop them. So he knows where he's going to end up by mm-hmm. divine providence or whatever. 
So he's working his way around Mono, still trying to be, you know, inconspicuous in his, you know, stand out as a endearing soldier wearing soldier yeah. garb and has his dark skin. Mm-hmm. And he he does keep running into people who do help him. He, he, yeah. he keeps getting lucky enough to find uh, creatures like the burden. It's a big flapping, uh-huh. flying, winged creature that they fly around on. I'm thinking dragon. Looks like a dragon is what I'm guessing. I was thinking ostrich. Really? <laughs> Okay. I mean, they kept referring to his neck as serpentine, so uh, I was thinking, you know, like snake no, neck. But I guess sense. the ostriches have serpentine necks too. Now that they you say totally that, totally do. And then I know they don't fly, but I was absolutely thinking of the bird from Up, Kevin, which you haven't seen. I've not that's seen Up, so exactly I don't the, know. I, that was the bird I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. But yeah, but so anyway. <laughs> he befriends one of those, whether it's a dragon or an ostrich, we're not sure, but it's called a burden. And then he he meets a farmer and he, you know, the farmer helps him, feeds him and he gives him, you know, an ex- yeah, takes him over to the baron and the baron who is also not like, the yeah, the baron is like, yeah, I think our king's crazy and we need to stop this. We all have to yeah. work together. And there's like all these people he keeps coming into contact who are like, yeah, this has to change. We have to come mm-hmm. to an end of this war. We have to stop fighting and we have to live. And then on the mono too, there's a second group of humanoid people they're called leftists. Leftists. And it took me way too long in the book to realize they were called leftists because they were the humans that had gotten left on the planet during the schism when it split in two. And so mm-hmm. they grew up, developed under this new gravitational forces, these radiation forces. So they're completely different than the traditional, like the more traditional looking humans that came back to the planet afterwards. The monoliths. Yeah. They're much, much larger and taller. And so they are completely subrogated as a second class citizens. They're used as labor and they're mm-hmm. not believed to be very smart or intelligent. So they're, they're completely subjugated. And he and different, like he befriends a lot of them and realizes they're just as smart as everyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're living these second class lives just because of, you know, a historically biased system where they're like, you're not as good as humans because you had to live on this planet even when we left it in our ships. And they're generally submissive creatures. So they don't like, you know, so they're, they don't. Even though they're much larger. Usually if they're the larger of a species, you get, and they're strong. They're frequently, you know, because they build everything. Yeah. So it is interesting that they are the subjugated form. Yeah. Because they probably could beat up the Absolutely. other people. Absolutely, they, they could overthrow them. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he and he befriends a lot of them, treats them with respect and kindness mm-hmm. and, and just general humanity. And all of this works out in the end because it's basically it's a it's a fairy tale. So you guys already we already know what's happening. We well one, we know mm-hmm. the prophecies, so we understand the end of this whole story. It's just the <laughs> entertainment the of getting there, the journey, right? We know mm-hmm. like we know where we're getting, we just have to go on the journey to get there. Mm-hmm. So he gets kidnapped and taken into the palace, and now Xander's all like, Yay, I did it. I thwarted the <laughs> the prophecy because I captured him. Even though he had nothing to do with any of it, it just no. happened. Like his queen was more involved in the capture than he had anything to do. But he's all like celebrating because he's won. And I'm like, mm, it feels a little early to celebrate. Um, but naturally, like Everson escapes and then he helps create a core of like insurrection. You know, the, the leftists gather to him and he's like, okay. My army's coming. I want to have as little bloodshed as possible. So let's open up the palace. Let the armies in. We'll just try to have this be as easy a takeover. And then I'll get to the princess and we'll just like stop the war. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not a full formed thought, but okay. That's yep. fine. Nope. We'll start with he was all for the plan. It. <laughs> so everyone who's kind of in the inner circle is conspiring in this way or that way. At one point, Xander's like, you know what? The only solution is we just got to kill my daughter. Because if I don't have a daughter, then I can't lose. <laughs> so my he sends God. off his henchmen to go kill her. Even his henchman is like, I don't like that plan. <laughs> Yeah, which is so crazy. Yeah, I was confused by both Olaf and, oh, the other general. General Bard. 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 Something. Bond. Bond. Yeah, general. Yeah. Because they they were doing what they were being told, but at the same time, they're like, um, I don't know about this plan. Yeah. And it all comes into a head at the end. The other king, King, um, 
Raza. Raza. So so ever since father, Raza is is with his soldiers from Indira. He's like, I'm gonna go get my son back and end this war once and for all. So one we're gonna have to meet. The two kings have to meet and figure out one of us is quitting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one of us is quitting our job. So there's a big <laughs> you know, denouement in the king's throne room on Mono. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Allegra, his own daughter, kills King Xander. Yeah. <laughs> she stabs him with the sword. Yeah, she does. But he was given many opportunities to just stop. Like He was. He, he, he tried to get uh, the prince. Bond. He tried to kill the oh, prince. Oh. And Everson. Everson. And and he has so with the tinderbox comes these little magical or not it's kind of it's kind so of technological, cool. kind they're of magical. Like, they're beings. techie magic. The tech magic, yes. magic tech. Uh-huh. Magic tech. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this like android that he's named Rex. Rex that comes out and has been fighting with him the whole time, but he's like, Don't kill anyone. Just just stop them from killing me, but don't kill them. So she prevents the king from killing Everson and then she looks at him like I'm gonna have to kill this dude and he's like no 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 don't kill the king mm-hmm. we have to talk so he has this heartfelt time he's like let's just t- like I'm not here to destroy you and take over your rule I just we have to talk and the king is so blinded with his yeah well he's an alcoholic and all his other problems <laughs> oh yes I forgot about the alcohol yeah he's just like you can't have my planet and so he goes unreasonable he goes for a final blow Ends up the endearing soldier steps in and or um, general steps in and saves uh, the prince's life. And then his daughter takes up the sword and kills, kills yes. her father because, you know, her father sucks kind of a lot. Uh, he was not cool. He's not cool. So then we get an epilogue one year later. Everybody's happy. Everybody's been rewarded for their kindness and their generosity and have been elevated up to higher statuses. The king and queen, the, the prince and princess have married and become king and queen. They have mm-hmm. two little twins, twins, a boy and a girl who are exact like one dark, one light, just like their parents, you know, mm-hmm. kind of symbolizing mm-hmm. the unity of the, the planets. Yeah. And everybody's happy and the crazy king's dead. Crazy king's dead. All of the conniving the, the people are queens. good. Yeah. The mothers are good. They're, they both the come around. They were kind of yes. the reasonable ones anyway. They had their moments, yeah. but both of them were the ones who were like, why are we still fighting this shit? <laughs> Nor definitely had her moments. I think there was a big complex with Nora and trying to figure out like where she actually stood. And in the end, it was because it was with the love of her daughter. Like she loved Allegra. In the end, she got there. I I do mm-hmm. think she misguidedly bought into the narrative that her daughter, that this prophecy meant the loss of the kingdom. Like, right. So everyone is taking very seriously the word of the prophecy, which is the reign of Xander will come to an end yeah. when his daughter gets married. And they have conflated that with a downfall of a nation or something. Yeah. world falls, which is, yes. I think, a very misguided way to to sure. interpret that <laughs> prophecy you know king's reigns come to an end all the fucking time mm. they die and then someone else takes their place it doesn't honestly, have to be tragic would it be so bad after the way that he has been ruling for so long too though like shouldn't then they be like uh yeah let's let this fucking prophecy happen <laughs> well and that's why like the witch and, and the yes um, olaf and, and olaf and the witch were well she was just the witch which was funny because they had these four seers, the witch, the wind, the where, and the why. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so cute. It was. So the whole book is chock full of really fun wordplay and language. Yes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Love, Lovely. Well done, <laughs> Mr. <is>. Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> um, because in the story, in the, the Hans Christian Andersen story, she's a witch as in, you know, like evil woman with magic witch. But in this story, they are the seers. And they are given their place among the, like, which, where, when, why. So her witchness is the different kind of witch. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> It's really. I think it. I think seeing this written probably would have been a different like outcome. Yeah. Because we would have been able to see the words that are written, or even characters that are drawn, or something. Well, yeah, because this is. Uh, I think originally some it, like a almost like a graphic novel with his wife as the artist. Because mm-hmm. when you look it up, it's got a joint. Like on Goodreads, it's both it's Blue Diamond Phillips is the writer, but and then Yvonne and and then his wife, yeah, um, Yvonne is the artist. I can't find it. Okay. Yvonne Phillips is the illustrator. 
Um, so I think it's a more of a, it's not a full graphic novel, but then I just, at least it has like some graphics in graphics there. in it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that, so there's this more yeah. to see. And then the way he writes the puns and the wordplay, I think would have come across a little bit better visually. I have yeah. a feeling that the word for burden was really cute and I you know we only got the word like we only got the audio of it so I can right. only say burden because that's how I heard it but I think it was probably spelled in a funny way that made it a, a funny word for something that an animal that flies to yeah. be a bird but also a burden a heavy weight yeah. that doesn't that's hard to carry like oh yeah it's cute mm-hmm. so a lot of wordplay at the end of the book we kind of get his story of how the book came about and it's from his wife's art. Like he saw some art by her that kind of evokes that Hans Christian Andersen mm-hmm. story with a new, like in an anime style artwork. And so he kind of liked that taking the Germanic view of like these old fairy tales and then changing it into in a different way. And so that's where this space opera feel of this yeah. world, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that he created. So that's why they're on this alien world and they're, you know, they have this alien tech and it's not just the old fairy tale told again. Yeah. Um, I did think it was funny that we basically have now done back to back Romeo and Juliet. Yes. <laughs> Two opposing houses that, and they fall in love because they're instantly and they're young. They're, they're 18. They're 18. Well, she's 17. Okay. And then, yeah, she, she's not quite 18 yet, but which made me a little nervous. Now, there's no sex in this no. book. So, but there is a little bit of romance. You do get the bits and pieces of when they are together, when Everson and Ella like, are, are together, they, they are falling in love. Like they already know that they could do good together. And it's a really good feeling because they have the tinderbox allows them both actually i feel like allegra is usually the only one that goes into the, the void <laughs> well, no he came but, out he went into it the first time that's right he did yes he did the first time because uh, it had to be discovered right but they sort of use that as like a portal or a passageway to see each other mm-hmm. but they obviously they get caught doing it well the mother puts allegra's mom nor puts a <laughs> tracker on her yeah. But anyway, so there's so much action in this book. There's, there's a, a lot. Ton. There's a and lot it's... of action. There's four. So I've now looked up the story, and it's essentially like maybe a two page. I mean, that's what the third the Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, the Hans Christian Andersen. Okay. It's, you know, yeah, it's like two pages. <laughs> Um, because yeah, fairy tales usually are. So it's the fact that he so, maybe yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a morality story, right? About how the person who was good, you know, Everson, who constantly shows his humanity mm-hmm. through his interactions with all kinds of other other humans, other beings, other creatures, like he is kind to everything he meets mm-hmm. and everyone he meets, in contrast with how horrible the king has been behaving and the ruin that he's allowed his kingdom to fall into in his attempt to maintain his desperate grasp on power that in the end it is all of his you know efforts are in vain because the small seeds of humanity that Everson has sprinkled around him in his two days of being on this planet <laughs> yeah <laughs> have all borne through in bearing up and raising him up to to the right position yep. at the right time to succeed um like even for the mother for nor like she is still convinced that at the beginning you know or not at the beginning but kind of like when she realizes her daughter has escaped and found the supposed soldier mm-hmm. she's going to marry she's like well we have to still stop this i can still control this and prevent this from happening because she's still looking at everything with the eye of prevention yeah and it takes her daughter like and she's like we have to save she keeps explaining that she's doing this to save the kingdom and it's like look at dad he's not doing anything good for the kingdom what is it that you're (laughs) trying to really save and then allegra says well if you spoke to him you'd understand like he wants to save all of us he wants to stop the fighting and have all of us safe and live and like mm-hmm. united like what mm-hmm. better way is there than to unite the prince of one land with the princess of another land <laughs> and thus yeah. you know bring about peace between the two peoples instead of constant fighting <laughs> i mean that's i mean coming out of Europe at the time that these kind of stories were written, that's how things behaved. Yeah. They were constantly marrying, intermarrying the, the royals to produce yep. peace and stop fighting. 
Then they were fighting some more because they did that a lot. They always <laughs> fight. There's never well, not a that's fight. that's <laughs> how you gained money and land. Mm-hmm. I mean, then we're still doing it to this day, so. Yeah, I mean, it's happens. <laughs> Turns out people are just power crazy. But anyway, but yeah, so it's it's this moral story and like the Mm -hmm. good is like in the end vanquishes over the evil and like her father represents that kind of backwards stage. And and it's funny that they are called the monoliths because that's like part of the wordplay, I think, in in this narrative, because he refuses to make any kind of changes. He's not bettering his world. He's not bettering the land or the people or the peasants. He's just trying to hold power. He's standing still as if mm-hmm. he is himself a giant immobile monolith that will not be moved from his yes. set course of grasping power to his very dying breath. And there's no yeah. arguing with him. Like He does not see reason for the entire story, and thus he dies. No. He's one of the last deaths. There's no reasoning with the monolith. No. <laughs> like, actually, or with the king. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so, nope. The, the waste yeah. of your breath, you have to just chop it down. Yep, just got to chop it down. And in yeah. its wake, change can blossom. Mm-hmm. And that's, yes. what, that's what they do. And so now that is... everyone's happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like everybody is happy. The Raza and Patra are there and, and Nor. And yeah, the I mean, it was definitely and... a much greater death toll on the side of the monolith because both yeah. like the witch died Olaf, Olaf died, died the king died the king. did Bond end up dying no, no he, didn't. he didn't he did kill he, the other like, general as though as soon as yeah Giza General Giza d- died, did die yeah. but, and, and Bond was just doing what he was told to do like he it was general to yeah. the and that, like, he did, to that's the, right he didn't die because he called off the fighting as soon as he, the king as was soon as like, the okay. king died he was like we're done Everyone's like <laughs> He's very black and white. He's, He's like, like we new have king. No more. We don't tell have me what to anymore, do. So we don't have to yep. do this. <laughs> we have the, and and then he was just like, next next job, please. <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah, no, he was just very like, bam, bam, bam. This is not what we're supposed to do. But I enjoyed the journey of getting there. It was really interesting, and I, I really loved, like you said, the wordplay and stuff like that, and all of the action. Of getting there. I did, of course, as usual, get confused a little bit by it. But I think I wonder if I had known a little bit more about the the Hans Christian Andersen version, if I can sort of make that connection to what the ending of this book will be like. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't remember the story. I know I probably encountered it. It sounded vaguely familiar with the dog in the tree, mm-hmm. but I can't pull it at all. And I was getting a lot more of some of his other influences. I was getting a lot more of that, like Romeo, Romeo and Juliet story. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. And yeah. um, some of the other, like Dune, and some of the other like sci-fi stuff. Yeah. You know, and fantasy stuff. Because it's a really good mix of like... Or even mythology. Like with the three dogs, I was thinking of Cerberus and like, you know, different things like that. Or, you know, Greek mythology, like the prophecy that Mm -hmm. Oedipus would kill his father. And so thus he tried to kill him. And instead he basically set him on the path that made (laughs) him come back and kill his own dad. You know, that very arc... Like and that's the way of mm-hmm. all prophecy, right? So yes. in almost every story across multiple cultures that have like a, a prophecy arc, it is both the inevitability of it, but also the you don't understand it. You think you know the ending and you don't, and yeah. so you're yeah. you bring it about through your actions, but it still ends up being different than you expected. Yeah, can I mean can we talk about prophecies real quick sure. and just explain? I mean, a prophecy is just. Hey, this could happen. <laughs> well, I think you know, the like prophets really are supposed to be like this will happen. I know, but I feel like okay, maybe it's the journey that can change within no matter what is going to happen at the end. Like this is we're at point A, we have to get a point B. All of this stuff can happen, but point B is actually going to happen. But will it though? Like will it? Well, in these because stories, what... yes, it always does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think if you're looking at reality, you yeah, know, we don't true. really have prophecies, right? Or when we do, they really truly are self-fulfilling in the sense that they are self-fulfilling. You yeah. knowing that you have like a fear of something happening and then sometimes your own actions bring that thing about. And that's that's yeah. what's happening in this story too because there were so many ways. So this as far as I could tell from his story, 
this is a long-standing prophecy that they've had for generations. Well, how about no king of the kingdom ever name a son Xander? How about that? Because then there's never a Xander the strong or the firm, Xander the The firm, firm. whose reign will end. You know, I mean, how about you just don't? I mean, if that had happened, if his name wasn't Xander, then the prophecy wouldn't be fulfilled. It wouldn't apply to him, right? Xavier is an appropriate name. Sure, Xavier would have been a better one too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure they said that the prophecy specifically states that the end of the firm's reign will end. Yes. So I'm like, well, they use a name, they just don't ever use that name. (laughs) Or he could have taken the Greek root and tried to kill his daughter as an infant and then seen what happened later when she escaped the castle and married anyway and came back to kill Mm -hmm. him. You know, but he he took it very seriously as just keep her from getting married and don't let her ever see a soldier and I'll win. Yeah. Whereas I think an alternative solution could have been find a soldier that she likes, let her marry said soldier and just say, hey, you guys are king and queen now and you still get to live. You just aren't king. You know, you You decide your own choices, dictate your future. (laughs) But instead, he chose to be intransigent and horrible. Right. Would it be so? bad if you just like you know took a break from ruling the kingdom that you actually aren't even really ruling yeah, what's the what's the point of anyway. being king at this point all it does is get him un- endless right. bottles of alcohol he, <laughs> is, he's just getting crazier and crazier it's just driving him mad I did, like at one point towards the end he's walking the halls and like these are the supposed to be the most like loyal of all the people because they're the people that work in the castle so they're like yeah the mm-hmm. most loyal retainers and the most loyal servants, right? And they won't even look at him. And when they do, they look at him with, like, sadness and pity. Because yes. he's that pathetic of a character. And he's so pissed. <laughs> and he's walking the halls like, why don't these fucking people respect me? And I'm like, 18 years of you being a dick. Yes. <laughs> and an Sorry, increasingly drunk, crazy-ass dick who spends all yes. of his time in the observatory looking at the stars. Like, he's somehow going to stop them from aligning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so weird. And, like... Because there's a couple of characters in the book who don't believe in the prophecy, who are just like, prophecies for children. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, fucking fairy sure. tale. It's dumb. Let's just live our lives normally. And the, it's the two yeah. generals who are both like, this is stupid. <laughs> but in the <laughs> end, they both also kind of proceed to create it happening by being who they are naturally without, even though they don't believe in it. Do you think that might be because of... because? I've both generals seem to be well actually no Giza was but not Bond Mm -hmm. who was friends with the king because um Giza and Raza were friends yeah Giza and Raza were yeah so Um, he might have had that influence or like yeah as far as Giza was concerned like they they were his family too like yeah Mm -hmm. he saw the king queen and and prince as his family so he had that like loyalty whether or not he had agreed with what was happening with the yeah i feel like bond was at a bigger disadvantage because the prophecy spoke to soldiers so Mm -hmm. he wasn't allowed to conduct the like his version of security and safety and and protocol the way he would because the king was like keep everyone away (laughs) no soldiers in the capital (laughs) and so he kept sending them out into the desert wastelands and he's like this is not how i would do this Mm -hmm. that makes Mm -hmm. sense but he's just doing what he's told. He is just so. doing because he because he, he has mm-hmm. that soldier's innate like yeah dis- exactly. disobedience is, is you know like I can't I have yeah. to do I have to follow orders it's even treason. though I know in my heart of hearts that this yes. is dumb as shit. Now he did <laughs> not kill the the princess uh, Allegra the prince. when he was told or to. Le- That's right. You're right about that. Because the not. king gave that specific order to both Olaf and Olaf Bond, and Bond and both of them were like oh, <laughs> yeah I'm not it's killing they your just kind of tortured her <laughs> well Olaf locked her up in a in in the in the dungeon mm-hmm. and then Bond just showed up and was like hey I'm not gonna oh, kill no, they, you I'm sorry I was I'm thinking of the the um the Baron Miranda yeah they they tortured the Baron tortured daughter. Miranda I didn't like Bond yeah. in that moment I was like oh yeah. you suck bad that's bad yeah I did like though how like all of the girls that were because there were all of these girls there was like besides the soldiers <laughs> they were all of the Baron and the farmer and um they had just girls like, well, a whole bunch of girls because if you and they were all been at war for three millennia That's or right. whatever centuries however you long send your kids all to, the boys the children have gone off to die to the war <laughs> just like the yeah the farmers I can't remember Tobias was that his name no, no. Was, um, Tobias was the leftist 
I don't remember his name. <laughs> Something with a J. Jonas? Jonas. Jonas. It was Jonas. Jonas, yeah. So he has those uh, yeah, two daughters. Yeah, Jonas lost two sons, two sons um, to war. He's yeah. left with two daughters right. and his wife. Yes, that's why he's left with daughters. <laughs> but all the, these daughters are, they're really attracted to Everson when they see him. They're like, oh, hey, this guy looks different than us. And, you know, he's like a really nice guy and stuff. And I love that they're like, because Miranda, who is the Baron's daughter, was just like, I want to marry him. But she knows. Yeah, she's like, I don't get to. <laughs> I don't get to. So she still helps in a way, mm-hmm. even though she's like, I can, I want this guy, but it, I don't know. Like, it's just very, it's, it's, um, sometimes we're given these characters that get in the way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it could be like, you know, mm-hmm. this will be a great opportunity for Miranda to be like, no, I'm going to do this for myself, but they don't give that to us, which is great. I especially love because she is a, a woman that she doesn't play that role because I think in, Me too. I think in a traditional story tale or um, fairy tale narrative she would she would be mm-hmm. the spiteful spoiled daughter of a rich baron yes. who yes. when presented with something she couldn't have for herself decided she would like call up the guard and tell him that to I, sabotage I think in, a, in, in a traditional mm-hmm. fairy tale that's exactly how he would have yes. gotten caught is she would have sabotaged him but yep. instead we get a strong good-minded daughter who like she's pretending mm-hmm. all this apathy towards her parents and towards their political beliefs like she puts on a front of being yes. you know an uncaring just like oh father why are you talking politics like spoiled yeah. and yeah yeah but in mm-hmm. reality she really has absorbed his his political leanings and she listens and she does see how they live a privileged life but most of the monoliths do not and she does not think that's fair and so mm-hmm. at that end where she is faced with the, you know, you've got to get tortured now because we're trying to break your father and find yes. out what's happening. She goes, it's okay. We give him time. And she stands there and accepts yep. torture to allow, you know, Everson the time he needs to fulfill his destiny. And it's so fucking yeah. powerful. And she was oh, a great character it. for that. Me too. I was a little worried that it was going to take that turn mm-hmm. that we typically see in these books that we read, you know, and then I, it, when she came out and, and she did that, because she had that, there was a, like an inner, she had an inner monologue mm-hmm. part that was a little bit before then. I was just like, this girl is awesome. I thought she's like, as much as I want it, it's not good f- for the world. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't have it. And then she goes through that process with being tortured. <laughs> Even at the end in the epilogue where she's talking to Tobias, who's now like the chancellor or whatever, the, yes, the, 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 of the king's, you know, confidant. Uh-huh. And she's like, just give me one bit of gossip about how the queen is not perfect. Just like, tell me she snores <laughs> yes! or that she like yes! chews with her mouth open. I just need a little bit so I'm not as <laughs> jealous. Like, you know, she right. just wanted something. Like, yes, even in that, that was a something. funny like throwback to the kind of character she could have been, <laughs> but she's stronger than that and better than that. And he made yes. this, like, Luke Diamond Phillips wrote this character with more integrity than that. But I still, oh, yeah. that little bit of at the end where she's like, just just tell me she snores, please. Just something. <laughs> and made it comical, made it so much so that we as the reader do not hate her because we can't, no. like, we don't want to hate her. But, so. we, understand, we, but we understand that. Um, Understood that. That exactly. human, like, reaction where you're the just characteristic, like, yes. Just, she mm-hmm. can't be perfect. Just give me. <laughs> some kind of flaw that i can be like see something she's got a flaw too it's fine oh yeah no it's awesome it's so great i know i liked it yeah yeah it was a very sweet i just yeah he has great characters in this he really like yeah for you know miranda's all uh got what maybe oh 20 minutes total of of the book like it's super small for what she Mm -hmm. brings to it and she's written so Mm -hmm. well for jonas too Jonas, yes. this surly, one-armed farmer who's lost all of his sons to this fucking war, and he can barely survive and scratch a pittance out of this dirt with his single arm. Yep. And he stands there and he helps. You know, he like he could have just turned an eye and been like, "I don't want anything to do with any of this." And instead, mm-hmm. he gets you know Everson where he needs to be. And in the end, he's yeah, he rewarded. His life, he his, his, family's life, life. His, yeah, yeah. his family, all of it. And he's he's rewarded in the end. And now he's going to farm those new water yeah. plant things, the beans, <laughs> the yeah, whatever, or whatever, pots or yeah, yeah, something. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But all of it, yeah. So all these even side characters have super interesting, you know, characters, their depth. And like, I like how they appear to be in your stereotypical fairy tale mold. Like they, yeah. they fit the, char- the cast of characters that you would see in any normal fairy tale. 
but they've all been a little bit upended in a way, a little bit turned and a little bit, you know, given more, more to play with and more depth. And he's done a really Mm -hmm. good job of that. And that's the kind of stuff that makes it more than just a retelling. It's a really interesting book in and of itself. It's brilliant. It's brilliant writing because we're introduced to the characters and we're like, yeah, we know this character. We know who they're supposed to be. And then he turns it on us and it's like, oh, wow. And it's written beautifully. His writing is really good. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed how he portrayed the character and really made us like I love Everson I think he's such a wonderful character absolutely because especially once we get that kind of glimpse of him back on Indira mm-hmm. before he became a soldier where he was just yeah. indolent and like <laughs> bored just partying and drinking bored and he's, he's a bored prince bored. he's like what's the yeah. fucking point like there's Orgies no point and... to this life yes you want you know? me to be king and take on the role but like on their planet too they have these wisdom things these old oracle-like characters that are just like stay the course fight the war and he's like we can't keep listening to these fucking things no and his dad keeps doing it he's just like we have got to get past like we can't so on both sides they have this these characters that are either the oracles or the witches or you know like Mm -hmm. the speakers of prophecy that just seem to be miring the kingdoms in this historical struggle instead of letting them move forward and progress yeah. there's no progress with that of kind progress of and yeah. change yeah <laughs> and now there's all kinds of change yes and it's beautiful it ended up very well mm-hmm. it ended great so, so there was no sex in this book no. guys so we can't really think of, of i mean of there's two else, babies at the end of the book but two babies they just met miraculously twins. happened and we don't know yeah, how you know <laughs> i'm sure the p went into the v a few times and then it happened you know <laughs> But <laughs> I mean, within a year, that's like they barely got married, and then they have twins they have to raise now. I'm like, damn, I know. Sucks for you. Like a... <laughs> <laughs> sucks for you. Uh, it's not so bad as an experienced mother of twins. I know, I know. But imagine if you'd had them at like the first year you guys were married. Oh, you didn't get the to, first like, time you had enjoy... sex. The fr- yes, and you're still still very young. Married life. And they're now only 18. Yeah. Yes, so. It's a different story. You're, you're totally right, because I was 30. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's also, like that uh, the storyline really they gave Kingdom Wayne either. and uh, Gilmore Girls, and it was so sad. That is the storyline they gave to Lane. It was one of, I think, I the worst things that. they've ever done on TV. Yeah, it was not fair to her. No, it was tragic. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so there's no <laughs> sex to talk about. I do think one of the most interesting pieces that we should talk about for this is that we listen to it. It's, it's narrated, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's got dual narration. So it's R.C. Bray and Julia Whalen. And if people are familiar with audiobooks and with narrators, they might recognize these names. So R.C. Bray is big in sci-fi narration. I've listened to numerous series done by him that are, you know, like spaceships at war with aliens or future apocalyptic space wars kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like he's just in that sci-fi realm. His voice is very familiar for that. Like people, you've probably, if you read anything like that at all, you've probably come across him. Hell's Divers uh, is one of the series I've read by him. And then I think, oh, let me find the other one. Yeah, the Hell's Hell's Divers series by uh, Nicholas Sansbury Smith. There's Stephen Moss's Fear the Sky Saga and Expeditionary Force Saga by Craig Allison. Like those are just some of the ones that mm-hmm. I've listened to him do. They're very like his his very specific like voice for that. That just to me says spaceships and fighting. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. sci-fi fighting spaceships. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and it's super. It's like very easy to identify. But yeah, he has that voice for it. Yes, it's mm-hmm. super great. And then Julia Whelan, the other narrator for this book, is a huge romance narrator, especially contemporary romance. And she's done a lot of, we don't, I don't think we've read anything because. Um, no, we haven't. But we have talked about her in one of our episodes, just very briefly. Yes, because she recently wrote her own book, romance book called Thank You for Listening, which is about two romance narrators. <laughs> Falling in love, doing a romance. So good. Super fun. Super cute. Right. And yeah, she's, she does, you know, some of the Emily Henry books. I I think a lot of them actually. Some of the Taylor Jenkins Reid books. I mean, if you're in contemporary romance, if you're a reader, then you've probably come across some of her audiobooks. 
Um, again, identifiable voice. Like you hear it and you go romance. At least I do. <laughs> yeah. She has some other books she's done, but so many of them are romance. And so for the two of them to come together and do this book, and it is, it's really that kind of merging of, of romance. Like, like we said, we don't get the sex or anything, but you get, you know, the characters are meant to fall in love. So there is this emotional stakes and there's this romantic arc that they have to go on. And then it's in the sci-fi world. And so to hear both of them doing that narration is so interesting. It was so unique to hear. In all of our dual narrators, it's usually two romance narrators. That's mm-hmm. what we are used to. It's not a sci-fi narrator and a romance narrator. Now, there's no reason anyone can't do any book. But sometimes sure. your voice gets pigeonholed, I think, you know. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and honestly, I, I, I recognized it right away when, because I think he starts the book and then she. Yeah, he starts. She comes in and it's almost kind of like you're doing two completely different stories because he has a cadence, right? And then she has one and then you mix them and it's like, well, it doesn't really match. But when you get the story flowing and it just keeps going on and you get to understand and learn the characters, mm-hmm. then it starts to, you know, you start to get get it and understand it and it, I mean you really can't do anything about it besides not listen yeah. but you can tell the differences between them and now that you've explained what they have historically done then it makes sense but it works like it works well for the, it does. the type of characters it, it works well here. and it's also unique because unlike in, in a lot of our romances when they do the new dual narration it's because half of the book is like his story and half is her story and it just switches between those two perspectives this book switches between almost anyone's perspective. Like sometimes it's Uh the king, sometimes it's the queen, sometimes it's the witch, it's the uh, generals, it's Tobias has part of views where he's talking, you know, his his thought processes and what he's doing. It's perspective on, of course, the prince and the princess, you know, they get a big chunk of it, but it's all these characters. And so to have dual narration when they're all taking up all these different roles, instead of just Mm -hmm. telling you what, you know, the princess is experiencing and what the prince is experiencing was a different, like, it was also kind of, okay, I have to fall into this cadence, into this rhythm with this book. But I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it because, like you said, like, his voice is sci-fi and her voice is yes. romance to me. And so it yes. was so interesting <laughs> to hear them together in one book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also a contrib- like an, a contribute. <laughs> I can't get words out. The males in this story are typically a little bit more militant, right? They're soldiers, they're kings, they're generals. And the women, I mean, they're queens and and princesses and like townspeople and stuff. So I don't want to say women are generally more gentle and more romantic. The queen, Nor, was fucking... Not romantic at all. (laughs) She was not at all. She was very serious, very business. So listening to Julia change the way that she portrayed her characters was really good too because i mean like that's experience there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because i would consider this book more sci-fi than romance obviously Mm -hmm. but so she had to step into that battles sci-fi and like a little bit less Mm romancy type of a role to get these characters out and she did great yeah so so i know that when we had initially like last week we did the romeo and juliet book for hispanic heritage month and we had made mention that we were following that up with Lou Diamond Phillips's book because he's Hispanic. He's not. <laughs> he's Filipino. <laughs> that was our mistake. Uh, getting, you know, his character of Richie Valance in the head kind of just made me assume he was Hispanic and he's not. Um, obviously, Hollywood has also put him in the role of Hispanic yeah. <laughs> in many films, not just as Richie Valance. But um, we still were excited to read this book regardless. You know, it's yeah. not. And and he still does interesting things with race in this book, because back when the planet was whole, both Indirans and Monoliths lived on the same planet, and they were still very separate because of their races. And that's what mm-hmm. happened. They were at war, and that led to... But I, I can't remember if it was just war or their overmining of the planet. Was it something... They had done something that caused I the planet it was, to break. It was... The, I think both, Like, they yeah. were environmentally mm-hmm. bad stewards of their planet. Ding, ding, ding. I don't it. know who they could be referring to. I huh. hmm. <laughs> wonder where you got that idea from. Possibly <laughs> mine their planet to death. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, they the, the people caused the schism, caused the planet to break. And when they went into space on their spacecraft, which were called arcs, they went separately according to race. So thus keeping 
the, you know, darker skinned endurance and the lighter skinned monos, monoliths separate. So then when they came back to the planet, they came back to their separate halves again, separate, you know, keeping, right. keeping it separate and then constantly being at war with each other due to their differences that they foresaw being, you know, enemies, but he's bringing them together in the end. He's like this, this mm-hmm. whole narrative of two species or two, two races at war needs to end and they need to work together and, for the betterment right. of all the people, including the people who got stuck on the planet and who are called the leftists. The leftists. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I thought that was a very interesting piece to this book too, because it's also something that is not, you know, that doesn't get touched on in your traditional fairy tales. There's not a, you know, in Europe at the time that these were written, everyone's just really a lot of white people. I mean, <laughs> there's other, you know, people have, there's some mixing, but not that much. Sure. So really their focus <laughs> at that time was, a lot more like religious separation, right. like are you Protestant or Catholic, or uh-huh. you know this kingdom, that kingdom, or <laughs> like right, we'll power, further segregate power segregation, power structures versus exactly race issues. So we've already taken out everybody else that doesn't look like us. So now <laughs> let's start separating what we believe in. <laughs> exactly, like how dare you think of the Pope? Yes, I don't like the Pope. <laughs> Fuck you, with your Pope. Even though we're yes. all Christian. <laughs> Oh my god. So, yeah. So so yeah, we're sorry we made that error uh last week uh, yeah. in mentioning that we were continuing our mm-hmm. uh Hispanic Heritage Month with Lou Diamond Phillips book. He's not Hispanic. But yeah. he wrote a good book. So it doesn't really matter. He wrote a good book. <laughs> we're still doing it. We could have been like, no, we can't do it because he's not, but you know it was good. It's still a good book. <laughs> so it's worth reading regardless. And, you know? Yeah. Hey, I like being introduced to good books for you know um, by good so authors. Lovely. And just unexpected because you never know like someone's traditionally known for their acting or for you know right. some other art that they're really good at doesn't mean that it's honestly going to translate into another field exactly. but this was really good writing i like yeah, it it, it was. made me laugh a number of times i think his wordplay is funny yes. um i think i again i loved the audio of it and i loved hearing these two voices but i do think i want to go back and read it visually because i think i'd get a whole new appreciation for his use of language when I can read it. Yeah, my friend Peggy actually offered me the book. And I said, hey, this is on our list. And she's like, really? Because she's like, you should read it. So uh, yeah. I should have taken yeah. her up on that offer to read. But yeah. you know me, I can't. <laughs> eyeball reading is hard. So um, I was like, no, we've got this on audiobook. And, I, and I, I'm grateful for both. I love, I enjoyed the story. So, but I think you're right. I think diving into it and from a different scenery is going to be interesting too. So yeah. yeah. And I want to see, of course, the illustrations by his wife. I think that'll be awesome. So yeah, in the end, good book. It's a narrative fairy tale that I don't know the story of. So not knowing it doesn't hurt you. You can still read this book. That's right. That's true. Yeah, maybe it's better that we didn't know the Because I was like, it's it's like vaguely familiar pieces to it, but I really didn't know the whole thing. So I didn't know it at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it was fresh for me. Well, great. Well, do we want to just go ahead and rate it since we're here? Sure. I think we think okay. that's what we're doing. So there was no sex. So we can't rate the sex. No, that's obviously. Okay. I mean, there were babies. There made. were there were babies. If you don't know how babies are traditionally made, you should not be listening to this podcast. You should not be listening to us, dude. I don't think we said one cuss word yet. Did we not Fuck. say any? There we there go. You go. We said it. <laughs> None. It's unlike us. Unbelievable. <laughs> Who would have known? Right. We're having a weird day. Words have been hard today. They are. Well, you know, we had when we have our early morning, it's not even that early, but our morning recordings, I think it's a little bit more kooky. So. I think so, too. You're it's, right. It's, it's and I, our, our evening ones are better. I'm pretty much. Not better, but different. I got up at 5 a.m. this morning to finish this book. No. Sh- <laughs> How long did you? So you had like a wait. I had like so had five. Like three and a, hours. I had like five and a half or hours left hours. when I woke up, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be tough." And I put it on, and I have it. T- like oh, I went no. to the store with it on, the headphones on. I cooked wow. breakfast. I like the whole time. I was just like, "Don't take your headphones off. You gotta listen." To this oh my god, book. that's fucking. I hilarious. meant to finish it yesterday after we got back from paddleboarding, but I was exhausted. Oh, I bet you were. You would have fell asleep. Well, I didn't really fall asleep, but I was like, I can't concentrate. So I just put on like an 
you know, repeat movie and was just like laid there very still trying not to move my muscles because <laughs> I hurt. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, I just, even my brain was tired, and I was like, there's no way I can sit here and listen to this book. I have got to have oh, that's so just dead air in my face, basically. I knew when you didn't ping me right at 10 o'clock that you were still finishing it. That's why I was like, I'm ready when you yeah. are. Well, I had changed it in our calendar to 11. I was like, mm, 11. I saw that too. I was like, okay, 22 minutes. I got this. I could wait because I wanted you to finish yeah. it. I wanted you to, to experience the end. Well, of it, I mean, so. like, again, you know what the ending is. And it's just like, I just got to get there now. <laughs> yeah. See how we're going to, yeah, how it's all going to play out. Um, and, it, you know, <laughs> didn't know that there would be that after the epilogue with like the just one year. Yeah. And I really liked the little, little bits of that. So I'm glad I didn't miss that. Because like having uh, Jonah try to pick out dresses for his daughters where he's just like, I don't care. Just wear a dress. Yeah, I know. I love that. <laughs> they're all like wealthier now, it. you know, because he's yes, he's been elevated. He's he's being given mm-hmm. like a you know a baronetcy or something. I don't know some kind of yeah yeah title title, and he's growing those new fancy fruits and so he and he's still crotchety and just <laughs> I mean he's I don't care still what kind a one armed farmer and life is that's I mean still yeah challenging. <laughs> Yeah, and his wife's all like, just help us pick dresses. And he's like, I don't uh, want to pick dresses. I don't care about your dresses. <laughs> Wear whichever one you want. It's great. It's really good. So that good. was a cute little like, side piece of them watching like Tobias get used to being waited on. Because he was always the servant for the Baron. And yes. now he's got servants himself. And he's just like, yep. they set out my clothes for me. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's cute. <laughs> It's cute. I really enjoyed it. I would recommend anybody who listens to books as fast as we do that when you get to the bit where Lou Diamond Phillip talks, slow that oh, down. I had to back it way back. <laughs> I was at 1.7 when he started talking. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, I in my head, I was like, God damn it. Why is he talking so fucking fast? And I was like, oh, no, I'm the asshole who sped him up. <laughs> so I like rolled him down to like 1.3. Yeah. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's normal. Normal talking. He's just talking the way like we talk. Whereas narrators are paced. They're speaking at Mm -hmm. a very specific pace as a narrator, right? And that's why we speed it up because I'm like, ah, you talk too slow. Right. But he was obviously just telling the story of how he wrote this book. He's just talking Mm -hmm. the way we're talking. And I don't think anybody speeds us up because. I know. Uh, we talk pretty that, damn well, fast. We would sound like a whole bunch of squirrels. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just chittering at each other. So yeah, as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I, yeah, yeah. I slowed it way down for me. <laughs> I was like, slow down, Lou. I know this is my fault, but let's... You're rushing through down. this, and I want to know how you, how you wrote this book. <laughs> oh, it's good. I'm going to give it a nine. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think not knowing the other story was probably better for me after having this conversation. Because at first I was thinking I should have read that first, the two pages of the whatever. Mm-hmm. But I liked it. I like his retelling of, of this love story that we got since the sex. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's a little <laughs> bit of a stretch to call it a full-blown romance. Sure. But it mm-hmm. was good. Yeah, I think it's a really strong nine too. I was entertained the whole time. I do love, and it's it's. I'm glad we got to do it because I love when the worlds are different. I mean, this is our yeah second one this year because you know fourth wing was a completely different kind of place. It's not uh-huh. Earth, obviously, but I love yeah like alien planets or alien people and just getting to set the groundwork anew completely from the beginning sometimes is very fun. And I haven't read one you know, and it made me really want to go back to my Helldivers books by R.C. Bray, or, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. narrated by R.C. Bray, because I've only done, like, three of them, and I'm like, I need to get back into that series, because I miss his voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the narrators were fantastic. I liked it, so, I, you know, this book was entertaining. I did, like I said, I think it'll be better read for some of the the wordplay, but the stuff that I caught in audio, I laughed out loud at, and I was just like, oh, yeah, for sure. That's a funny word, that that's is funny yeah it's, it's a brilliant. pun it's a yeah. it's a play on words it's like all this really witty wordplay shit that i just love and when you can catch it you're just like oh that's hilarious <laughs> yeah no the writing was in- so, fantastic yeah, nine, I, it's, I, it's all of it book. yeah you know mm-hmm. next time don't make the characters say 18 and next time give us sex 
<laughs> hear that, Lou? <laughs> if you're writing more books, just listen to you us, know. and that's what we want next. <laughs> okay, guys. So, for our next book, we are going to get back into what we are used to. <laughs> and we're going to be reading A Shift in Water by Patricia Eddy. It's volume two of the Elemental Shifter series. It's narrated by Richard Sawyer and Sophie Daniels. So we did a shift in water, what, a year or two ago? A while ago? We did. It might have been even longer ago than we think. Oh. Sometimes that so happens to us. Five years ago. <laughs> uh, eight, it was episode 89. Okay. So. So a while ago. Yeah, I mean, now we're at 147, so. <laughs> yeah. But we enjoyed that first book, and we have always wanted to put this one back on there. So we hope you guys read along with that and join us next time. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'd love to see you guys. If you want to interact with us on social media, you can reach us at Facebook and Instagram at sturdybooks or email us directly at sturdybooks at gmail.com. And in all those places, it is with three H's. And you can visit us on our website at sturdybooks.com and most places that you could find podcasts. If you guys can go to all those places, rate, review, subscribe, that would be amazing. We would love to hear from everyone. And thank you so much for the music, Jim Townsend. With this, we're going to go on with our day and say goodnight. Mm-hmm. This is Sayla. This is Kalina. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked no, that I up. <laughs> I, I stepped on your line. No, it's all good. It's not my normal line. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Listening to sh- reading dirty books with Galena and Saylet. Be sure to tune into the next episode. Get some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them.